This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Health and Living with me, Lim Su An. COVID-19 may be endemic, but that does not mean it's harmless, nor that the pandemic itself is over. So as we gear up towards nomination day on this um, on 5th November this Saturday and polling day on 19th November, I'm speaking today to infectious diseases physician Dr. Dr. Christopher Lee to find out how we can ensure that GE15 campaigning and polling is held safely, especially now when there is a worrying rise in COVID-19 cases once again. And, you know, we want to ensure that um, we can exercise our constitutional right as safely as possible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. Chris. You're welcome. So I want to start our conversation um, by first looking at the current COVID-19 situation, Dr. Chris. How would you describe the risk of COVID-19 at the moment in Malaysia, considering that just a few days ago, the caretaker health minister, Kari Jamaluddin, had highlighted how cases are on the rise again? Yeah, well, I think it will you will be seeing this type of pattern for COVID-19 for quite a while, the mainly driven by the emerging uh, newer subvariants. And of course, what's current now is the XBB, very interesting subvariant name. And that is what currently is pushing up the cases now in the country. Uh, but with the general elections coming, there will be more human movement. There will be a lot more human interaction as well, beyond our families and our workspaces. So, of course, there is a concern. The, the bad thing about XBB of the new variant is it appears to be certainly much more infectious. Uh, but I guess the good news, if you like, is the risk of severe disease has not seemed to gone up significantly, even though the hospitalization, as you mentioned just now, has gone up slightly over the last couple of weeks or so. Uh, but it's still within control. However, I think it is prudent to be cautious, especially now with a lot more movement during this time of the year. Hmm. So how would you say the healthcare system is coping at the moment? Because that's always one of the indicators that we're looking at, right? Right. Well, I, I think after what happened in 2021, where we had that big surge, especially in the Klang Valley and some of the other major cities, I, I think we are certainly a lot better prepared. I know many of the hospitals, especially the government hospitals, have gradually gone back to normality, meaning looking after the other cases that we have to look after. But nonetheless, I think all major hospitals uh, are keeping an eye out and making sure their reserve capacity is able to pick up any surge. Uh, time will tell whether we are adequately prepared, but certainly with what happened in 2021 and with the infrastructure that has been put in place, I, I think we, we, we stand a much better chance of coping with any search this time a lot better. Having said that, the thing is this, every time we see a surge in cases and the surge in admissions and hospitalizations, even though the, the health system is more prepared, it's a bad thing because I think doctors and nurses, especially in the government sector, certainly need to focus on the other conditions that we have to look after anyway. Uh, and I think it takes our eye away from looking after all the non-communicable diseases that we have to deal with uh, the dengue that's gradually going up, the season, the rains are coming back. Mm -hmm. I mean, those things we have to do. And, and don't forget, floods, it may happen again, hopefully not. But if it does, I think certain states will be badly affected. So with all that, we really hope that there will not be a surge. So we are, I'm very glad that BFM is talking about this during the election. But even though the 
the variant as it is stands now, XBB doesn't seem to be that virulent or pathogenic, even though more infectious. Mm-hmm. But I think we have to be careful. I don't think anyone wants to see us back in 2021 in the middle of that year when we were really, really struggling in the hospitals. Mm. And this, despite the COVID deaths, I think something that we don't focus enough of are all the other conditions that people suffered from and perhaps some of them died from because we couldn't fo- focus on them adequately. And I will get to um, how to hold uh, elections safely in a bit. But first, Dr. Chris, how would you describe people's attitude towards COVID-19 and basic measures like masking at the moment? Because, you know, we, we've dropped the mandatory masking for quite a while now. We still see some people um, adhering to it, some less so. But, you know, do these measures still matter? How are people, how would you uh, rate people's behaviour at the moment? I think the current behaviour... Uh, that we see generally has certainly deteriorated from the bad old days of the peak of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a sign of normality coming back. I think many of us expect that. But I think it's going to be this careful messaging that, that the government and the leaders have to do. Uh, now the term used by MOH is we strongly or highly encourage people to use masks in public spaces. Uh, I guess the next step will be a uh, mass mandate again, right? So that's a little bit short of that. But I think I agree with you when you go to public spaces, especially enclosed places like shopping complexes, you're seeing more and more people not being masked. Uh, and people are less careful with it. So it's a sign of concern. So I think it's important that all stakeholders of this election, and I'm talking to the political parties here, whichever side of the aisle they belong to, the message must be the same. Yes, please get the right candidates up there to win the elections, but at the same time, make sure it's safe. Uh, none of us want our voters to be ill. So I think it's important at your charamas, at your uh, gatherings, that people still follow uh, masking because people will be packed. And whatever little I've seen about the charamas, I've seen many people are not masked. And that could be an area of concern. Uh, I also see many of the older folks because they are not so digitally connected. They tend to attend the charamas, which is which is fine, I guess. But the worry is this: uh, some some of them may not even be vaccinated. Don't even talk about boosting. Some of them not even vaccinated. Mm. When they attend such charamas, they are at risk. Uh, for many of us who are vaccinated and boosted, our risk. If you get infected, it's a lot less. But for the folks who have not been vaccinated, if they get infected, uh, it could be a lot more nasty for them. So I think it's important that stakeholders of the elections uh, make sure that the Chiramas can be safe. I mean, the minimum is a mass mandate when you get people sort of crowded together. Hmm. Let's talk about the Chiramas, right, Dr. Chris? Is that your main concern when it comes to the campaigning period? Are there any other sort of risky behaviour that you're worried about throughout this, um, you know, throughout this period up until the point of polling day? I think we all know that during election time, we shake hands like nobody's business, isn't it? Right? <laughs> we shake hands with everyone. We're shaking hands with babies and things like that. We all make fun of politicians, but to some degree, that's what we all have to do. We understand that. So I guess the two main areas is every time there's a mass gathering, I think there's people to be careful, all right? Nobody's going to suggest uh, limits in terms of number of people who can attend. Now, unlikely that's going to be able to be carried out. 
but having a mask mandate is a good thing to do, all right? Maybe you want to take it off and you just take a photograph, but after that, everybody gets masked up. It's just harm reduction or risk reduction. The other thing is when you go out door-to-door campaigns, I'm not a politician, so I don't know what actually happens, but we know that many people go door-to-door or from table-to-table in a food court and things like that to say hello. Perhaps I really encourage people to go back to the memory of our COVID-19 days. Maybe don't shake hands. Maybe a fist bump. Maybe nod. Maybe put your, your, your hand over your chest and bow a little bit. Whatever. All right? Uh, to show respect and acknowledgement without having to shake hands and and hug a lot of strangers at the same time. Uh, that is of concern. And the other thing I would like to remind people is this, which is difficult to do, I understand, all the campaign folks, uh, the candidates as well as their supporters, if you are not well, go back to the standard recommendations, stay away for a while, get yourself tested. Uh, certainly, I think none of us would want people to be sick. And remember, people who are sick, likely are not going to go to vote anyway. So. I hope they get through, and that's important. What about social distancing? Do you think that is still feasible at Chiramas, for example, when, you know, like you said, there will be crowds? I mean, certainly it's always good to have uh, some physical distancing. We all know those issues still work. We know that air movement, air quality, air exchange, it all works. These are just probably slightly harder to do. Because obviously, if you are campaigning, you want more people to come to your Chirama than three people to turn up. You know what I mean? That's a fact. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there's still a sizable population uh, in the country that are not so digitally savvy and they may not be watching YouTubes and Facebooks and things like that. And and I, I understand the excitement of going to a Chirama, you know, everybody cheering and things like that. It works. I mean, we know that. I would say it's the next thing to do if we can do some physical distancing, but I can understand that it's hard to do. Uh, so I guess that's what we call a hierarchy of measures. Number one, the most basic must everyone, all right? Uh, with exceptions, of course, when you are speaking, you're giving the trauma, you might take a pass off, but you are alone on the stage, so that's pretty okay, you know? Uh, the other thing is make sure that you are not as crowded as you can be, in the open area if you like, if it's a closed area, make sure the air exchange is good. Maybe open the windows despite the air conditionings being on, air filters. All these are still measures you can take. Just that I put it down lower in the hierarchy because it's harder to implement and the effectiveness may not be as good. But I guess the basic message here besides masking, of course, is to get our people vaccinated and boosted. We know Many have been vaccinated, either fully or partially. But I think just in the news again, uh, our caretaker Minister of Health just mentioned again, our uptake of the second boosters has been poor. Mm-hmm. And people who need the second boosters are not young ladies like you, but old people like me, all right? And uh, that is a concern. Um, the older folks who are more vulnerable, if they catch it, they are more likely to be pretty, pretty sick are not being vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Yet, we have a super variant running around called XBB. Plus, we are encouraging a lot more human interaction and movement during this period. So I guess if we talk about perfect storm, that's a possible. I hope it's not there. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, but hoping it's not enough. We have to start putting those measures in place. So I really urge all political parties, please do what you do as a political party but at the same time, and I'm something all of us will ultimately agree, make keep your electorate safe. 
sick people cannot go into work. On that note of boosters, right, you mentioned the older adults. Um, and like you say, I looked at the, the, the KKM website and it, the, the statistics are really quite dismal. You know, for first boosters, we're barely reaching 50% coverage. Second booster is less than 2%. Um, the Kerika Health Minister has said that we are getting the new bivalent vaccines in November. Should they then wait or get the vaccines now? Now, any vaccine, even vaccines we're using now, is still very effective in preventing, not infection, but preventing serious disease. The bivalent vaccine that we're talking about coming in next month has been shown to be safe, has been shown to be more effective for Omicron. But in terms of how much extra benefit there is in terms of preventing serious disease, uh, I think that the jury is still out, all right? It is a, obviously a better vaccine than the older vaccine, the current vaccine, with regards to Omicron. That's a fact, right? But whether there is a significant advantage uh, visible with regards to preventing serious infection and death, I think that's yet to be seen. So on paper, it's probably better. But my, my advice would be this, don't wait. If you have the vaccine, go and get vaccinated now. If the bivalent comes or when it comes and you have access to it, by all means take it. But the data from around the world even the current vaccines, if they're adequately boosted, does help. So I would urge you not to wait. Go ahead and get it now. Why wait? You don't need one month to catch an infection. You can catch an infection tonight, mm -hmm. tomorrow morning, you know. So, hey, so don't wait. And do you encourage everyone to get boosted or are there specific groups of like older oh, adults? Okay. Besides the older folks like me, all those who are having those standard chronic diseases, as we all know, the, those with renal impairment, those with diabetes, uh, those with uh, immunocompromised states, I, I think they should really get boosted. So I think it's important. Now, whoever's listening to this, uh, please do it for your family because, you know, messages do not get adequately sent out all around the country. So if you know of your loved ones, people close to you who may be in that risk population, please do your bit, you know, and get them boosted or vaccinated. Uh, it, it could save a life. Unfortunately, we have we are also eager to go back to normality, and we are so comfortable now going out. We see so many people not masking. We think that COVID is already really in the back of our real view mirror. Mm -hmm. It's not so much. In fact, it's chasing after us. Now, one thing I want to mention: people look at the number of infections. Uh, these are infections that are reported to MOH. And I think everyone, including you, Sue, and you may have known of people who had a bit of symptoms, tested themselves, found positive, did not update themselves on my suggestion, mm -hmm. uh, may or may not have stayed at home, may or may not have wore a mask going to one Utama or Mega Mall. You know that, right? So those numbers, helpful, but take it with a big chunk of salt. I mean, I know so many people who have done that. Mm -hmm. uh, and whether they stayed at home, I don't know, all right? They'll tell me, oh, Chris, I'll stay home. I say, yeah, but okay. The older folks, I get them to go and get sorted out the KKs because they might get access to Paxlovid, mm -hmm. which they may be uh, entitled for. Uh, but some of the younger folks really, I think, I think uh, it's, it's worrying. If you look at also the sales, I've heard from some of the companies who sell this self-testing kits, this number of sales have dropped. Uh, compared to late last year, it has dropped. So I think those trends are concerning. Let's hope it's nothing more than just worry, uh, but I think we should be watching that for close.
All right, let's go for a quick break now, Dr. Chris, and um, we'll continue our discussion. When we come back, I want to ask you more about lessons that we've learned from past elections um, in the country as well as from abroad, um, from elections abroad as well. I'm speaking today to Dr. Christopher Lee, consultant infectious diseases physician, about how we can hold GE15 safely during a pandemic. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, Lim Suan. On the show with me today is Dr. Dr. Christopher Lee, consultant, infectious diseases physician, and he is on the show today to share his thoughts on how we can hold elections during a pandemic safely. Because while COVID nineteen um, might be treated as endemic at the moment, you know the pandemic is still raging on. Um, it doesn't mean that COVID nineteen is any less harmless, except that we have the tools to to equip ourselves to better fight this disease, both at the community level as well as in the healthcare system. Now, Dr. Chris, this might be our first um, general elections during a pandemic, but it is not our first rodeo um, in a sense. You know, we've had um, by and state elections in the past two years. Most um, infamously was the Sabah state elections in September 2020. We've also had um, three other state elections since in Malacca, in Sarawak and in Johor. What do you think um, are some lessons we've learned from the past um, state elections? You know, what did we do well? What did we do? not so well? I think the good thing is this, uh, 90% of general, you know, the adult population have been at least vaccinated once, we know that. So that is the big difference now compared to Sabah of mm-hmm. 2020. Sabah, to be fair, in 2020, September, we didn't have any vaccine at all anyway. Right? So it was a very unvaccinated and the virus was still a very novel virus. Mm-hmm. Right? So Managing that would be quite different from managing a possible outbreak now. It would be different. So let's hope Saba never happens again. Unlikely to happen again, unless a brand new virus comes along. Uh, the lessons learned, I think, is to be able to monitor that closely, surveillance. And it does appear that MOH and his partners have uh, now able to monitor a little bit better. But the important thing is this monitoring alone does not work. We have to be able to look at those data analyze the data, look at trends, and go and intervene before these trends actually set in. Uh, so those are what we call preemptive strikes. And I know it's harder when you do a preemptive strike, you sometimes might be like the boy who talk both. Sometimes it will be the case. But that is the price that leaders will have to decide. It's very easy to start blaming people when nothing uh, sorry, then something bad happens and they didn't do anything about it. It's also equally bad when people would say, why did you put me through all that inconvenience and suffering when nothing happened? Mm. So it, it's that balance there and it's important to keep the populace educated and understand. Making those calls, it's difficult. But I'll be frank, whichever political party you belong to, it's difficult. Um, but I think it's important to be guided by good data and stand by that. And even if you're questioned, able to do that. So I think it's important, the message to be learned is make sure you have good data. If the data is not good, then you look for the better data. Uh, and uh, uh, it's important that the people who look at the data are, are being honest with it. And I hope our leaders are given the right information. Um, so that's, that's the key, I think. What sort of preemptive measures are you talking about, Dr. Chris? 
So, for example, if you see a change, let's say, in a certain locality, you're seeing a lot more infections, number mm -hmm. one, with more infections requiring hospitalizations. You have to analyze who are the people catching these infections, now, whether we are able to catch a certain activity, a certain trend. For example, let's say during the election, you see certain trends in certain groups, you intervene fast. It is harder now, no question, but, well, it's better to intervene earlier than intervene later if mm -hmm. you've got a growing outbreak going up, right? Remember what happened during the very beginning of COVID, during the public outbreak, remember, the very, very early days, and people were questioning how fast we could get get to the people who were in that, that conference, isn't it? That's right. But once we went out there, we realised that many of these folks have gone back to their villages, gone back to their households, and that's it. So then if I want to move... Um, <laughs> move on to, let's look at on polling day itself, right? We saw many other countries also holding elections safely even at the height of the pandemic, you know, Singapore, New Zealand, South Korea. Um, I, I remember when Singapore had their elections, you know, they had very specific allocated voting times as well. You know, we are still waiting for the EC to um, see if they would announce any additional measures. But from your perspective, you know, what do you think we can implement on polling day itself to make it a safer experience for everyone? Well, uh, I just checked my own polling station. I'm voting in the same place. And I can't remember here. Oh, man, I apologize. Uh, I don't know whether it was there previously, but now they give you a preferred, uh, uh, a recommended polling time, mm -hmm. right? Between 12 and 2, that's my time, all right? That's my time. Anyway, so 12 and 2. So I presume they sort of uh, uh, stagger the people out so that not everybody rushes there at 10 a.m. in the morning. But that would be one way of doing it, staggering people. Of course, there, there must be a, a <clears throat> mechanism that people who did not come according to their schedule is still accommodated because well, some people can't just get there during that period. Mm -hmm. But I think measures like this works at the waiting area as you're going into call to make sure there's some physical distancing that's good. Everybody should be masked when we go, obviously, to the booths. I'm sure that will be the requirement, all right? Uh, so things like this, I think, will still be suffered. The polling day, I'm not as concerned because it's a very controlled. Mm. It's the pre-polling period that I'm more concerned about because now uh, there are charamas and gatherings. Even as I speak now, something is happening somewhere in the country. You know that, all right? Knocking on doors and visiting table to table in the coffee shop, saying hello, you know, that kind of thing, which is the, the issue as well, all right? But if all political parties understand this, and that's important, and I wonder whether we have we have focused a lot on who gets elected, who should stand here or there, and things like that. Mm -hmm. But we haven't really. I wonder whether we have taught all our candidates about the risk of COVID, and that is something we. we I am naive enough to think that people stand for election to do good things for the country. I think none of them should be doing this election. Uh, without knowing the risk of COVID. And that is something which I have to talk your candidates about COVID. Do they know anything about COVID when they go out there and do things like that? And yet, you want me to vote for some guy who's going to parliament to decide on my future? I'm sorry, I'm as a Malaysian, I say, what are you talking about? I mean, last year, our death rate went up significantly. We saw the data from the Ministry of Health mm -hmm. and The major cause of death last year was COVID. Yes. It took over from ischemic heart disease. Wow, in my career as a doctor, that has never happened before. So that is huge. So it's a fair question. I'm asking, have 
each political party at least given some briefing or handouts to our their party workers about COVID. If they haven't, and perhaps it's not wise and not safe. Hmm. I mean, pandemic fatigue has set in, but really that lead by example is particularly important to communicate Absolutely. the risk, right? Absolutely. And, and I hope all the political parties remember that before the naming of, I think they are naming the candidates officially on Saturday. On Saturday. And that's when election campaigning goes way off, isn't it, for the next two weeks. It's not too late to tell them, look, have you not done that? Have you at least given if there's a candidate out there running around shaking hands in whichever part of Plank Valley and who knows very little about COVID, maybe he's not fit to be a candidate. Really? I mean, it's last year our country suffered like crazy, isn't it? I think there's a fair question, fair requirement. I really think so. Um, one more thing on self-testing, um, Dr. Chris, and I guess that goes back to the individual itself, uh, themselves, right? Do you think, uh, is that still an important measure to take, you know, for self-testing regularly if you are attending all these um, big charamas and talks? Yeah, I, I think it's a good thing to do. Uh, recently, we had AIDS conference, the first face-to-face AIDS conference after a couple of years, right? Uh, we encourage people to test themselves. Uh, I did, all right? And uh, the test is so easily available. Now, that's a good thing to do. But a lot of it depends on the individual's understanding about COVID. And that is my concern, all right? Uh, the person two years ago would be 16, now he will be 18. And between 16 and 18, you may, I think all of us remember when I was in Form 4, going to Form 6, wow, a lot of things changed in me. <laughs> Uh, I mean, totally a different person, I'm sure, isn't it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I think it's important to remind people, text kids. So, organizers of events should remind people. Of course, you can't force now up to you, all right? But I think it would be a wise thing to do. And hopefully, people, if you have tested positive, please put your info into my Chatra and stay at home as required, all right? But uh, hopefully, that people do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think testing is still a useful thing to do. Um, on the note of people testing positive, you know, um, the caretaker health minister, Kari Jamaluddin, has also said that, you know, the EC will be announcing rules on how um, they can vote because it is their constitutional right. Um, from your perspective, you know, what are some reasonable and safe measures to keep everyone safe um, when we are sort of um, trying to encourage COVID-positive patients to vote as well? Hmm. Yeah, that, that is can be tricky. Here we have the constitution that uh, unless the person is so sick, he's not in hospital. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. You know? For the, the other folks who are maybe positive, but still pretty well, uh, now the risk of transmission is still there. Right? So it's important that uh, they are allowed. Of, and how best to do it, number one, if they could identify themselves and given them a special lane, which is not always easy to do, mm-hmm. all right? Uh, that is something that will make it safer because now we know you're positive, okay, you move you to a separate, you vote in a different way. If there's a separate mechanism for that and yet keep our keep the integrity of our vote, that would be great. Now, that is up to uh, the election commission to see whether that's possible. I can understand it could be difficult. But assuming nothing new in terms of the way you vote, uh, then the only thing I can advise is to make sure there's social distancing universal masking, hand hygiene before you go and vote, after you vote, you clean your hands before you come out. And no, of course, there's no gathering in the voting area. We know that's the law. Mm-hmm. So everybody, 
but things like that, I think that will minimize transmission at the booths. I, I'm not as worried that I'm more worried about people who have to get to the booths. The booths will come to you. Yep. And not everybody has a home car or chauffeur driven car. People to get on the MRT, people to get on the trains, etc. So those concerns remain within there. Is a certain amount of cases and spread of COVID-19 from this whole campaigning and election period inevitable? Yeah, I think that it could be. you got a new variant with more infectious, more people moving around. Our mask mandate is less. Fewer people are masking now compared to one year ago. That's a fact. The rest mm-hmm. of right now. Plus, when was your last shot? When was my last shot? My second booster was a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, a long time now. I guess mm-hmm. we are coming to the end of 2022. Right, and we know that the data normally by three to six months, the effects do tend to wane. But there's no, I would say, approved recommendation to even talk about a fifth shot, if you like. All right, and and uh, the data is not there. But at the moment, it's the fourth shot for people who are more vulnerable. But yet, the ratio of the uptake can be very poor for various reasons. Yeah. And if I could add in one more question on um, the potential risk of flooding. I think you mentioned earlier that it is the monsoon season. I know from the perspective of an infectious diseases physician, what are the risks that you're concerned about? Um, How do we mitigate those risks if floods coincide with um, campaigning or in the worst case scenario, polling day? What what should people be aware of? I guess it's really uh, 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 something that we do not want to happen. I can imagine the chaos, all right? If there is a huge surge in COVID, let's say close to what we had in 2021, together with floods in what happened in Shah Alam some time ago, uh, together with the dengue surge, I guess you can make a movie like that's like, you know, the worst case scenario with everything, we would be cracked. You know, during, even during a dengue outbreak, a major outbreak in the Kang a couple of years ago, which I was integrally involved. It was terrible. We were, we were struggling for bits, you know, and we were sending, we had to send people home a little bit earlier before we were truly comfortable. Uh, and then COVID, of course, was the other bad thing because people died because we just couldn't look after them together with the flood. Wow. Well, a lot of it will be the organization at the community level Many people with floods do not need to come to hospital, obviously. So we need to separate that completely, uh, bring facilities and services at those community centers and minimize interaction into the hospital setting, clearly. But clearly, there will be a huge requirement for adequate human resource. Uh, that would be a major area. So a lot of, I presume it will be NAGMA, the main people running it, right? And they are well trained for disasters. Uh, that is a fact. Mm-hmm. But we never really know when it happens because each disaster is a little bit different, you know. Uh, so yeah, let's hope we don't get there. Let's let's hope. Uh, the other thing, of course, the thing about floods is if it's a flood in one location, it's easier to handle because mm-hmm. other places can come in for help. But if it's a massive, wide-scale flood, then of course it's going to be a flood. And to wrap up our conversation, would you have a final message for our listeners ahead of GE15? Right. Okay. I think it's important that voting is important. All of us will say this is a huge, important uh, event, and I personally would agree. But make sure you are well and safe, the people around you. I'm talking to the average Malaysian now, not talking to the politicians. My message was already earlier. But as a a citizen, please go and vote. uh, 
properly, safely, uh, but look after yourself and your immediate circle of, of loved ones and friends. Please tell them about the boosting. I think that's important. I get very worried when I see older folks not being boosted and there are still messages uh, posted out on social media about oh, the fourth shot will put you into a zombie and things like that. Uh, you become magnetized or become magneto from X-Men, I don't know. Uh, there are still things out there floating around, yeah? So it's important to do that. Billions of people have taken their shots. Yes, there are some side effects. The side effects are minimal compared to what we saw and what I personally saw when I was in Solar Globe during the bad old days of COVID-19. A lot of people died. So there's very, very little about the vaccine that is negative beyond that of what the virus itself can do. So please pass the message, get both your, your loved ones vaccinated and boosted. Now, remind those every time you go out into a public area, just it's okay to mask. I think it's pretty macho to wear the mask because you are trying to protect other people and yourself. Why is that bad? And this, I don't understand. We've been wearing a mask more than two years now. I'm just happy that I can do anything I want to do now compared to 2020, 2021. I just have to wear a mask, all right? I can go to the coffee shop, take off my mask and eat. Then after eating, wear back a mask, all right? I don't wear a lipstick, so I'm pretty okay with that, all right? But I get to do anything I want to do. And the freedom to go anywhere I want to go, I just need to wear a mask. So I really think that mask is a very, very low requirement for what it opens up for us to do. So go ahead, be sensible about, about our own behaviour right, and keep ourselves and our friends and loved ones safe. All right, thank you so much, Dr. Chris. Oh, you're welcome. I've been speaking to Dr. Dr. Christopher Lee, consultant, infectious diseases physician, on how we can hold GE15 safely during a pandemic. I'm Lim Suan, and this has been Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.